everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we discuss Paige Van Zandt and her transition to AEW. How would she do in sports entertainment? I also interview ESPN's Phil Murphy about the latest developments in the NFL and the future of the Major League Baseball season. Paige Van Zandt signs with AEW. I'm looking right now at MMAfighting.com. UFC BKFC veteran Paige Van Zandt signs with All Elite Wrestling. The UFC and BKFC veteran inked a deal to join the roster at All Elite Wrestling on Wednesday night with AEW President Tony Khan confirming the deal via Twitter. The 27-year-old fighter, I'm surprised I don't have air quotes around that, has been making sporadic appearances in AEW since 2021 as part of an angle involving several of her training partners out of American Top Team in Florida alongside ATT owner Dan Lambert. In her official introduction while signing her contract, Van Zandt engaged in a new storyline with uh, Tay Conti. Am I saying that right? Okay. Tay Conti, the real-life girlfriend and entree manager to wrestler Sammy Guevara. Van Zandt appeared on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday at the end of a match where Guevara lost his AEW TNT Championship to Scorpio Sky, who canceled Lambert as his on-screen manager in the promotion. Okay, so I don't watch AEW, not because I'm not allowed to watch or talk. I get that a lot. Are you allowed to talk about AEW? Sure I am. Sure I am. I don't have time to watch anything more than I watch. I watch SmackDown. I watch um, NXT 2.0. And I watch Raw because it's my job. I catch up on the Raw I did last week. I rewatch it all the time. I watch every fight on Saturday. I watch big boxing matches. I can't watch anything else I, I don't have to watch. So who's a regular watcher of AEW? You, Kel? I mean, as of late, a little bit more recently, yeah. I know Busted Open covers it a lot. So if you're going to do Busted Open, yes. you got to keep up with it, right? Um, what are your thoughts on her being added to the product? I will talk about the fight angle side of it. You tell me about the product itself and where she fits in it. Well, for me, I feel like, you know, Paige going into pro wrestling could be the perfect crossover for her. She was okay at fighting at best, like win some, lose some. She just is really attractive so I think that helped her get by in these promotions but I feel like she's going to be really good on the microphone she is very much dislikable in that sense when she tries to make her character that way she had this I mean since Mm -hmm. she was with Dan Lambert Dan Lambert had the feud going with Cody Rhodes and Brandi Rhodes who are no longer with AEW so it seems like they're trying to transition kind of who Dan Lambert and the ATT crew was feuding with at the moment gotcha um Here's my take on it from the fight side of it is she's failing up, right? She was in the UFC, didn't finish strong with them at all, went to bare knuckle, has yet to win, and is now going to AEW. It's just she keeps failing. The only only person I can think of is failing up, if you've heard that. It's, It's sure it's a little harsh. I get that. But. When they say fighter, it's a, well, I, yeah, she, she does participate in fighting. She hasn't been successful in a long time. As you said, Kelly Kell, isn't it just she's hot so she gets over? I mean, is it, or is it really her ability? Because, like, when I think about this, I think about your ability to perform. I think about your ability to do something with the platform you are given. I don't sit here on a microphone and drool on it. 
but I'm so attractive, people listen anyway. Nobody does. That's why I'm on radio, people. Okay, so that's the deal, is that ability to perform in the, the space in which you are given. Um, Javon just wrote me in the chat. He goes, she knows how to market herself. She knows how to market herself. Did you see Kim Kardashian, like, put on Twitter, like, you know, people need to work hard to make it in this world. All right, Kelly's laughing. Like, you read it, right? She said women, not women. People. Yeah, women, because it's about International Women's Day, right? Yep. Yeah, nobody wants to work hard. What was your first thought, Kel? Shut up, Kim. Shut your born rich mouth up. Shut up. You were born rich. You were born beautiful. I don't effing want to hear about it. So... John, I'm, I'm just saying my first reaction is she knows how to market herself. Or she was born beautiful and doesn't need to market herself the way a person who isn't as attractive has to. I once read this interview. You know Mila Jovovich, who was, uh, you know, uh, Fifth Element, blah, blah, blah. She was the hottest thing on earth when I was coming of age in the 90s. She's still gorgeous, right? KLB. Yeah, she, she was like the number one, like, yeah, yes. a little bit of a weird character. Oh, well, we'll just put Mila in there. We'll, right, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll cast Mila Jovovich real quick. Yes. She's like perfect. She'll bring it all to life. Okay, so one time I saw an interview with her. And once again, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm not saying this isn't true. But she was like, I'm in the position I am because I just have a hunger to explore and do things. And I have a soul and a spirit that, 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 that wants to die. You're just beautiful. I, I'm not saying you can't act. You can't learn these things. But you got the opportunity you got because you're more attractive than everybody else. Don't give yourself all these other qualities that a lot of people who are struggling also have, but they weren't born beautiful. Do you get? Am I, I know I'm being harsh. I get that. I know it. But these are things that come to mind when you know Paige Van Zandt. I, I, I'm not saying she doesn't. She won't do well in AEW, but she won't have to do well like. For example, you know, guys who've done crossover stuff. Riddle is a great worker, as we say in the business. He works very well. He's a great performer. He knows how to work the crowd. There are a lot, there's a lot to professional wrestling that he's able to do. That's why he's, quote, unquote, over uh, on Raw. Okay? Dude, his pops are amazing. It's how the guy works. So is she a great worker? Will she be a great worker? I don't know, but she's not getting that opportunity because of her work. KB. I was well. I was gonna say like I I kind of feel like when you say failing up, I felt like that's a little too harsh because I well, the kind of the people you mentioned. Please, it's how? Like, it's like Matt Riddle wasn't was an okay fighter. He wasn't anything crazy. Lost you, Ma- went, left the UFC on a win. Left the UFC on a win, but yes. it wasn't like he was he future champ. Did we like did we really expect that from Matt Riddle? I don't think so. Like, I don't think we expected him to go that far. Um, Shayna Baszler, who was. A pioneer, and in, 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 in yes. respect to her career, yeah. she I think was she lost what her last three or four on the way out uh, on the way out of uh, w, UFC. Uh, there are, there are fighters who've crossed over, who are either middle of the Packers or maybe were near the end of the career. So I, it's hard. Like, were they where did they start? Far? KOB, not MMA. at AEW. No, what I'm saying is well, they they had to come up through the Indies. They had to learn how true. to work. I'm not. What I'm saying is it's not. I'm not saying that she's like the worst fighter to go to 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 to, to professional wrestling. That's not what I'm saying. My point is she's going from losing in the UFC to losing in BKFC to starting out in AEW. None of those other names did that. They had to work their way up and learn how to I do would, it in the Indies. 
I would also counter a bit that is, is WWE not doing an angle with The Miz and, and Logan Paul? Did Logan Paul earn it or did he fail up? Logan oh, Paul yeah, but, failed up to me. <laughs> right, but the WWE didn't, didn't sign Logan Paul. He's going to do... Least- He's going to do pro wrestling. He's going to do WrestleMania. That's probably it. She is, I assume, if they were using her in an angle or in like a bit like like Logan Paul is being used, I'd get that. It sounds to me like they're signing her for an actual to actually work. That's Maybe. the difference. And that's They'll the bring we'll in celebrities to, for one-off. We'll have to yeah. see what goes on. Yeah. But like right, right now, I would say right now, think of it as that way. They're bringing in Paige in for, like, yes, yeah, she's signed to AW, but they're bringing her in for a fight. How long she's going to actually like stick around and – continue a wrestling career remains to be seen but i think think of it in that logan paul light like they bring in a person who has whether you like it or not a lot of of exposure she was at the time a a streaking person that the ufc was getting really behind does dancing with the stars which just increased her visibility and then yeah she started hitting shaky ground she was i always felt like Paige was a scrapper at best like always game scrapper at best yeah yeah so like yeah she lost fights but she tried to be tough she she wasn't afraid to bleed it out too like she she did have that to her BKFC, despite the losses, I, I think the best she's looked in fights. I think she, she looks even sharper just throwing hands. So, yes, she does have this massive appeal. So why not try to throw her in? It's kind of perfect. ATT's out there working, the, working this angle. Um, and they've been around there for a while. So to me, it makes sense. That's why I said failing up. It's like, she's still a star. Like, you can't deny that she's a star. And that's the way things go with stars sometimes. Like, they get to do these things. But it seems to me that, that, that these days, more than other days, and I probably sound old as, old as dirt saying this, but it seems to me like nowadays we, we live in an era where celebrity has its own momentum, and we kind of forget sometimes why that person became famous. We kind of forget, like, no, they used to be good at this thing that they you know may or may not now be good at. Um, and that's always interesting to me. Like, why did you start caring about this person? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. It's 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 complicated and it's difficult and it asks us a lot of questions about the nature of celebrity. It does, because it seems like it has its own momentum where, you know, like I said, this article starts out with fighter. And I'm like, I'm surprised that's not in quotes because she's fought, but she hasn't been successful in a long time. My other question, and I'm speaking from a place of ignorance because I'm knowing a lot about um, the sports entertainment world. I do it every week. I don't watch AEW. Um, Javon, are you there for me, buddy? Yeah. You watch AEW? Yes. At, explain to me, and, and you wrote me something interesting right here in the chat. I think she's going to be around for a minute and further contribute to an oversaturated roster. That was another thing I thought of. Is it seems like AEW signing a big name every week or two or three every week. Do they have room when you watch the show for all this talent, or is there a... Is there the sense of, like, God, where are they going to fit all these people? It, it, you see guys, and then they'll disappear. And then, like, it somewhat works for them because, you know, they've got the magic door open, so some guys will go work Impact and some will go work NWA or whatever. But, like, it – and then they just bought Ring of Honor. I don't know. You've got two shows, but it's not like a brand split like you guys have. It's like right. – what SmackDown first started off as on Thursday nights is just the second show. Not everybody gets enough spotlight. Like I, we get it, Tony Khan. You have money. You want to compete with Vince McMahon. We get the message. But you're signing all this talent, and there's almost zero room for them. Yeah. D- d- does it? Does it? 
Does it feel like that when you watch the show, Kel? I'm curious. When you watch AEW and you hear about these new signings, does it feel like there's room for everybody to have a compelling storyline, to have their own compelling story? I think they make room for the people that really matter to them. Like, you see consistent people every single week. You see CM Punk and MJF every week. You start to see guys like Wardlow every week. Dan Lambert's been coming around weekly. And then you have guys that you see, and they do disappear for a while, but they stack their shows. Like, a lot of people can argue that, obviously, no disrespect to, like, the WWE, but a lot of people argue that Wednesday night AEW is the best pro wrestling show of the week a lot of the time because they absolutely stack it. But then you also have people that argue sometimes these shows are, like, too much in a sense that, like, so much goes on in hour one that you almost lose the crowd in hour two because they're exhausted from what goes on in hour one, because obviously different to fighting, people are more like emotionally invested in pro wrestling shows. So I get it. If things are stacked, like you do get tired by the end. But I mean, I I enjoy watching AEW on Wednesday nights when I do tune in. Very interesting. So I'm speaking about AEW from a place of ignorance. I, I, I don't have time to watch AEW. I watch enough wrestling with my week. I can't do anything more. I watch all the fights. So AEW has got to go by the wayside. So what do you think of, A, Paige Van Zant and her ability to make an impact in AEW, if that's your thing, and the crossovers in general from MMA to sports entertainment to professional wrestling? Does it draw you in as a fan? Are they gone, essentially, as far as you're concerned, when they go from uh, MMA to uh, professional wrestling, sports entertainment? Or do they just disappear off the map? If you don't watch professional wrestling, if you don't watch WWE, you don't watch AEW, as far as I'm concerned, when you leave MMA, you're gone. I don't know what you're doing. You disappear as far as I'm concerned. Or does it bring you in as a fan? Who does it well? Who doesn't do it well? I remember watching Kurt Angle as an amateur wrestler, watch him win his gold medal in 96, um, and wondering how he would do in the WWE. And somebody was the WWE at the time? Whatever. Uh, did very, very well. Obviously, he's a legend over there. Did amazing work, etc. Brock Lesnar saw him wrestle at the University of Minnesota. When he went to WWE, I was bummed out because I thought he'd do great in MMA, and we kind of lost him. That's how, I, that's how I saw it. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Bringing in a special guest right now. We generally do UFC Fight Camp for ESPN International. But it hasn't worked for me the last few weeks. I've been recording for them, but I haven't been face-to-face with Phil Murphy. So my first question, man, are you all right not seeing me? How has it been, bro? I'm here, man. After all the weeks with us not working together, I thought you were just giving me, like, the cold shoulder with the world. Would never do that. How has the pain been of not seeing me? Dude, I, uh, I'm being vocal, man. I want you back. I want to do more TV together. We get 45 seconds of Jimmy per week. It's not a month. But, it's uh, not cool, dude. It's not enough. It's not enough. Ne- it's ne- not I think cool. next month, man. We got it. We oh. got it. We got an uptick. Got some fun stuff coming there. Miss you to death. Anyway, let's talk NFL because that's what you're here for. We can talk some MMA, too. He's one of the most knowledgeable guys in MMA, which I absolutely love. So, 
Uh, let's start off with obviously Aaron Rodgers. Money makes friends. Is number one. Is that essentially the deal that there's enough money to get over the issues he had with the Packers and the Packers organization? And secondly, is this part of the L.A. Rams kind of in vogue strategy of everything to get a Super Bowl in this year, next year? Not a lot of long term thinking. Tell me about that. Well, I, I think for the Packers and, and every team should look at that differently. You know, it, for teams that are in striking distance, you don't fault them at all for going all in because that's how legacies are defined. I mean, you look at the, the franchises that lack a Super Bowl ring, like, say, the Buffalo Bills, and no matter how good they are year to year, there's this kind of persistent doubt that the fan base has never seen them actually do it before. The Rams go all in. They're down to the felt, and it, it works out beautifully. They win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Terrific. Well, now the Packers, they were the one seed in the NFC a year ago, and and conventional wisdom heading into the playoffs was, hey, if any team has to go through Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, last dance, it's a tall order. And I know there was a lot of disappointment, not just with them losing, there always is, but the way in which they went out. It wasn't the Bills-Chiefs shootout, last team to score one. They got beat 13-10, to and it was a little bit of an anemic offensive output for Rodgers and the Packers. But I think a big part of it, beyond the, the ridiculous money that Aaron Rodgers is getting paid, is if you look at the landscape in the NFL, there are some really terrifying quarterbacks in the AFC you would have to navigate through. And with Rodgers being tied to the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers offensive coordinator being the new head coach in Denver, there were fingerprints to suggest that he could do the Peyton Manning, come in, spend his career twilight in Denver, and chase a, a couple Super Bowls. But you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and, and a growing uh, Chargers team. You're going to have to deal with Josh Allen in the playoffs. The Bengals seem to be a, a threat now. Whereas in the NFC, there's no more Tom Brady. Uh, the, the Rams are going to have to do some salary cap gymnastics. And if you look at how the NFC stands now that they have franchise, the Packers have franchise tag Devontae Adams, they have Aaron Rodgers back, they're restructuring some deals. They are runaway favorites in the NFC North, which means playoff home game. And then it's a matter of finding a way to win three games in a row in, in, in January, which has always been their bugaboo. But I think they reset and go back to where they were a year ago. I think they have to have a lot of confidence in that, that being the best situation for Rodgers to get an elusive second ring. What is well, – a couple things. Uh, of course, talking to Phil Murphy from ESPN, my all-around sports expert. In, in, in your opinion, what is that X factor? Because it seems like two rings separates the men from the boys, right? For all-time great quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, for example, just throwing a name out there, it seems like two rings separates the men from the boys. I always want that second ring. Uh, how do you cure that Peyton Manning? God, he was great except January. And for, you know, and, and it's one of those things that bugged John Elway for years and years and years. God, great quarterback, could never get it done in the playoffs. Does this new deal and the talent around him somehow save that, or is it an intangible? Uh, that's going to be the, the question over the next four years. And it's, it's crazy. And, and in modern sports discourse, it seems like every game is legacy-defining. I mean, you see it on any sports talk show on any network. What does this game mean for somebody's legacy? And it is a little myopic, in my opinion. But with Rodgers, his resume speaks for itself. His tape speaks for itself. And it's, it is staggering to think on all the dominant teams on which he's been in really a division filled with minnows, which is, you know, you can go ahead and pencil them in for five or six division wins every year, that they were only able to put it together in successive playoff games to get to a Super Bowl one time. 
and for him, it's going to feel like a, a, a career that's that's fallen perhaps a little short of the ceiling if he can't get it again. So in addition to the $50 million, and I think any of the teams that were in the Rodgers sweepstakes, he was going to get similar money. I think you know $1 more than Patrick Mahomes' average annual value was his floor. It's going to come down to, can he put it together in January? And not every one of his January losses was on him, but I think the way in which the Packers went out this season in particular, where they were just dismantled offensively against the 49ers team, that in truth was a, was a really tough stylistic matchup, how well San Francisco can move the ball on the ground and, and chew up clock and those kind of things. The Packers just doing nothing in the second half of that game. I know it leaves a real sour taste in Aaron Rodgers' mouth. And he just decided, I think, that the grass wasn't necessarily greener on the other side of the fence, um, whether it be in, in Denver or another one of these teams that we knew was, was going to make a strong push for a quarterback this offseason. Uh I, I definitely agree with you there. Last question about the, the Aaron Rodgers deal is how much of these final deals, in your opinion, you're around these people a lot more than me. All right? I'm around a lot of fighters. You're around a lot of sports people, uh, a lot of execs, stuff like that. How much of this money is about money? How much of it is about ego just being the highest paid guy? I think, I think it's a little bit of both. But, you know, basic economic law, we all prefer more money to less. And if, if that is going to be the market for him, a reported $153 million guaranteed, $200 million on the deal. The guy's never going to run out of money in his lifetime. So it's not, it's certainly not need, uh, but there is a measure of, of ego there. And that's why you see some guys in the twilight of their career, maybe not quarterbacks, but other positions, being willing to, to work at something of a discount uh, if it means chasing another championship. We see it in the NBA. We see it uh, in the NFL as well. That's not the case with Rodgers, and it's going to require, again, uh, some salary cap work for that team to really add anything else. Uh, but they got a little lucky. The new salary cap number came out and gave them a little bit of room with which to work. But the Packers aren't going to be big players in the in the market for top-notch free agents. They're not going to be pursuing Teron Armstead or any of these any of these studs who are out there who are looking for a new home. So I think it's going to get a little quiet in Green Bay. But if quiet means... 13, 14 wins, and, and we'll roll the dice on see what, seeing who we get paired with in January. I think any team in the NFL would take that. Uh, Speaking, of course, to Phil Murphy from ESPN, my sports guru. Love talking to him. Uh, let's take a little trip over to Seattle, why don't we? Uh, before I even get into the actual trade itself and your thoughts on it, did you see this Wilson tweet back and forth between Denver and Seattle about the volleyball Oh, yeah, 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 where, uh, then Seattle ended up taking it down. F- fans not loving that. What's your thought no. on an organization kind of getting cute with the Twitter? Well, I don't think it's an organization. I think it's a social media team. So it's two or three people who you know are looking for the buzzworthy tweet, and it's a, it's a fine line to walk where you're being self-deprecating without looking like a, a franchise who seems to have you know, taken the L or being willing to, to mortgage this season and even the next um, and and really look to the long-term future. And I think a lot of Seattle fans seeing not just Russell Wilson go, but Bobby Wagner go, two pillars of this franchise and two guys who undoubtedly will end up in their ring of honor, it just wasn't the time to, to have that funny moment. Um, and even still, you know, they should have waited till perhaps when they play Denver in Seattle. If the Seahawks can get what will probably be a little bit of an upset win at home, maybe then put the Wilson tweet out. But in the immediate aftermath, I think the, the wound was just a little too fresh. And that's why you saw, I can only assume, somebody in a suit sending an email 
and that tweet getting very quickly rescinded from uh, at Seahawks Twitter. So the trade itself, thoughts behind it, meaning the strategy behind it, and whether you agree with that strategy and it working out, your thoughts? I mean, what, what else is Denver going to do? They, they have a yeah. top three scoring defense, young skill position players everywhere. Yeah, their offensive line could use some tooling, and, and they need a pass rusher, and they had you know, maybe some questions at linebacker um, with, with their free agent class coming up. But Denver's looking at, at a division in which they're going to play Patrick Mahomes twice for the next decade every year. They're going to play Justin Herbert twice. They're going to play Derek Carr and the Raiders, who on any given day, you know, laugh at them as we might for some of the stuff that happens on the field. They can score 40, and it's not going to surprise anybody because they're so prolific offensively. And Denver hasn't averaged more than 23 points per game since 2014. That's eight years of being a below-average scoring offense in an offensive era in the NFL. I'm a Broncos fan, and it was frustrating because you would see them face opponents and maybe, you know, short field, something funky happens. The other team gets to 21, 24 points. You're kind of already packing it up and looking ahead till next week, and it's a little bit demoralizing. And they look at the recent success they had, first half of the decade, getting Peyton Manning in there, instantly becoming a contender. Russell Wilson is not the quarterback that Peyton Manning is by any stretch, but with what Denver gave up to get him, I don't think they thought the answer was in this quarterback class either. And they weren't content on sitting on six, seven, eight wins. They're willing to roll the dice for the next three and four years. Russell Wilson's 33. If they can get, you know, top, maybe not even top third, but top half quarterback play out of him, if he can be a, you know, ninth best to 15th best quarterback with the defense they have and the skill position players they have, they could be the second best team in the AFC West. And then it's a matter of continuing to draft. Well, George Patton had a terrific draft class a year ago. I'm biased as a Broncos fan, but I, I'm glad they gave up what they did because otherwise it was just going to be this treading water in mediocrity at best for the next few years or hoping they tank this year, which is not fun. And, and getting a quarterback from next year's class. But I don't think the answer at QB was in this year's class, so they had to go in a thin market and, and perhaps overpay a little bit, but really just take a chance. As not a Seattle fan, what was their logic, and do you agree with it? Well, the report there was that Washington made a better offer to Seattle, and mm. Seattle wanted to trade Russell Wilson out of the conference, as if they're fearing what a wild card berth and, and Washington getting the better of it. I mean, Seattle plays Denver this year. So, if anything, the worse Denver is, the better Seattle's draft pick is for next year. So, if there were any logic of avoiding where they would send Russell Wilson, I wouldn't have worried about sending him to Washington. So, as a fan base there, I'm a little upset because they're so, they're so worried. They're willing to take a marginal discount on return to keep Russell Wilson out of conference, out of division. Yeah, I get that. But they weren't scheduled to play Washington this year. So, Seattle now – heading into that trade or prior to that trade, they probably had the least talented roster in the NFC West amongst Arizona, LA, and San Francisco, the three very solid teams, three playoff teams. Now it's a, it's a complete reset of the franchise. Maybe they love one of the quarterbacks in this class. Cause right now drew Locke is the starter and as a Broncos fan. I'm going to tell you, he, so far what we've seen, he's not going to carry you over the likes of the Cardinals Rams and 49ers. So a lot of questions in Seattle they probably will take a stab at one of the quarterbacks with a nine pick. Uh, there's some thought they'll go with Devin Lloyd, the linebacker to Utah to try and replace Bobby Wagner. But man, they, they need a QB. They need to see if they, if they can find the answer in this draft. And then they'll be in the position Denver was for the last half decade, trying to find a replacement for 
a, a face of the franchise for so long. It's, it might be some, uh, some painful years ahead for Seahawks fans. Uh, sorry to hear that, but this is what it looks like to me as well. Speaking of Phil Murphy from ESPN. Uh, so are we going to get baseball this year? What are your thoughts? I give you $1,000. What are you betting? Uh, b- betting that we'll get it. Um, it, it, it seems like every time there's progress in talks, and by progress I mean a lot of effort, 16 hours back and forth, uh, you know, overnight meetings, 3 a.m. updates from Jeff Passan or any one of the other great MLB reporters who's just hammering this beat. And then at a complete left field, pun kind of intended, we get this just new issue that comes up. And the latest one, you know, the, the union and the MLB are working through minimum player salaries and pre-arbitration pools and competitive balance taxes and mending fences that cost tens of millions of dollars. And then the latest one, debate about an international draft. And many players, especially those from the Dominican and Venezuela, are very much against uh, moving away from a free market system there. Right now, baseball, they're voting. The, uh, the union executives are voting. And it seems as though there, there's a little bit of momentum getting toward uh, what would be a full season, but I'm going to curb optimism because we've seen this and said this before, but right now, best case scenario, Jimmy, it is April 7th, opening day, spring training starting in about a week. It will be, it would be 162 game season if they are willing, and they're not going to figure out the international player draft thing. Now, if they're willing to defer that decision until later on in the summer and work on mending the, the, the smaller fences now in the immediacy, getting on the field, the international player draft wouldn't go into effect until at least 2024. They have some time to work out the mechanics and still figure out if it is the best system in place for both teams and the next generation of players, especially those coming out of the Caribbean. But it would be a 162-game season starting a week later, ending three days later, and a couple teams having forced doubleheaders on their schedule. Actually, all teams having a few forced doubleheaders on their schedule of the nine-inning variety. Previously, the last two years, doubleheaders had shifted to a seven-inning format. Since these are predetermined and scheduled doubleheaders, MLB is saying those will be nine-inning games. That's best-case scenario for fans, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm treading, I'm treading lightly because it still seems like it, if the last two weeks is any kind of precedent, whatever can go wrong, and even things we didn't even know could go wrong, inevitably do. Phil, I love talking to you, man. Love your knowledge. Phil Murphy from ESPN. You're my sports guy. Hope I get to work with you next week. We'll see, buddy. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you then. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.